0: What do you guys want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? What do you guys think? How about this movie?
1: Now, for our feature presentation. So we watched a movie.
2: We did. We did watch a movie. We watched the movie
0: Seven. Yeah, starring uh, Brad Pitt, uh, Morgan Freeman. And uh, Kevin
2: Spacey? You could say it starred Gwyneth Paltrow, but that would be an absolute mm-hmm. lie. In like a total of eight minutes? <laughs> eight glorious minutes of 1990s <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. That, uh, Always appreciate that. Of forced character development that yeah. didn't actually that pan didn't out Just never all. panned
0: out.
1: Yep, it was not super attached. Overall, yeah. I liked the movie. It oh, was yeah. definitely a good movie, especially for the time. So I don't think it's like yeah. something to pick apart. But there was definitely, definitely some moments. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for mid nineties is actually a pretty damn good movie.
2: Yeah, I know. For me, my first thoughts of the movie just because of the way I feel about certain actors. I didn't really know what to expect going in. I'm a big Morgan Freeman fan. Don't at all like Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, he's got big ass goofy teeth. First twenty seconds. So I was uh, pretty on. I was pretty guarded going into the into the movie. But I I did enjoy Seven as a whole. I feel like it was at least for the time a very creative idea. I still think if they made a film similar to that in this era would still be a pretty creative idea if yeah. executed properly. But I think it was—I don't think that it was a bad movie at all. I—I did—I did enjoy it quite a lot. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, uh, like you said, if they made it today,
0: it'd still do very well. I mean, it wouldn't like be a box office breaker, but it'd still do really well.
1: Yeah. Especially if it was a little bit more developed than maybe it was. But I don't know. We're a younger audience. We expect more. We need them to step it up.
0: Yeah. We need like attention-grabbing material on the screen at all times. And I also think
1: that we are a smarter audience than they were in the 90s because of the whole, like, holding your hand through some of the story plots and stuff. Mm. Whereas movies now, they just, like, give a hint and we're all just like, oh, this is what's happening right now. Mm. We already know.
0: It makes us think throughout the entire movie, whereas this movie just... Uh, like you said, walked us through the entire thing. There wasn't anything that was super surprising. Yeah. I mean, the twist at the end was obviously a good twist. It was, yeah, it wasn't a bad but twist at all. You could um, see it coming from like a mile
2: away. I do think that that is kind of a good point to go off of, where it is a pretty pretty blatant hand holding through the entire through the entire film. Which, no knock on that, it's it's fine that they didn't want people being confused at their movie. But I think as far as the plot, like the the overall story of the movie, I think right up front, it's. It's it's not a shallow plot, but the movie's called Seven. It's based on seven the seven deadly sins, the Spoiler murders. Spoiler
1: alerts, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alerts
2: for a twenty-three year old movie are contained in this podcast. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, f you <laughs>
1: Although if you are clicking on like a movie reviewing podcast and you see the title is Seven, you haven't watched it yet. That should be expected, but you know yeah, you I never mean, know you
0: for movie reviewing podcast. I mean, spoiler alerts are a given, but still, spoiler alerts.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Spoiler alerts all around for the movie Seven today. Um, but as I was saying, it, it is a, it's a very blatant hand holding from the beginning. They don't. I, I, again, I don't want to crap on the movie. It's a good movie, but. They didn't really take time to, to develop. Apply it's. Oh, we'll call it seven because it's the seven deadly sins, and then we're gonna make a good movie, which they did. But it wasn't like, a thinker. It wasn't much of a. Kind of talked about. Um, there's really three characters in the movie, so the character development, for those three, was was fine. It wasn't outstanding in any, yeah. in any way, but it was fine, um, because they had three characters to focus on over the span of two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Morgan Freeman, pretty much just the old cliche, the "I'm too old for this shit." Um, you know, weather-warned. the weather warning everything. Yeah,
1: Somerset just kind of trying to piece out on everything gets drawn back in because mm-hmm. it's just too good of a puzzle.
0: Yep. I don't know if it was cliche back then when it was
2: made, but it's definitely cliche now. I was well, actually
1: thinking that when I was first watching. What it.
2: year did the Lethal Weapons come out? Didn't they come out in the eighties? Uh, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. So it probably wasn't super cliche back then, but it was probably at least a little cliche back then.
1: I was thinking that when I was like, oh, it's another buddy cop movie with the older experienced cop and the new one. I'm like, oh, it's probably not yeah. one of those because it was one of the first ones. Yeah, so. it, was,
0: it was very much less of a buddy cop yeah. movie and more of a
2: psychological thriller, but... There was buddy elements it wasn't like that, cheesy though, yeah. because they stayed they stayed very true to the tone of the movie through. Honestly, in my opinion, throughout the course of the movie, yeah. there was never times where even Brad Pitt's character, um, Detective Mills, I feel, can get kind of quippy. It was never out of place. It was never really over the top quippiness. Yeah. It was a very it was more of a dark, brutish quippiness than like just a flat out jokester quippiness. Yeah, it wasn't.
0: Um, it, there was like zero parallels between like the um, partnership between. Uh, Somerset and Mills, and the partnership between Tango and Cash. Yeah. You know, where that's a very much over-the-top action movie with a bunch of uh, fucking one-liners and shit. But, yeah.
1: There was no comedic elements, really. Yeah. It was all very to the point.
2: Yeah, which I think is is a good thing. You establish a tone. Um, Marvel. You don't want to spend <laughs> two hours making silly, pointless jokes. Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it it was a good movie Uh, again we were kind of talking about the characters not a lot to say Brad Pitt you know filled in his his cliched role of the young up-and-coming newbie cop very well. Yeah, well, um, it
0: wasn't it wasn't outstanding, but wasn't bad.
2: Yeah, know, very, it very much it, played. He the part. had the the emotions. I was gonna say he had the the emotional range for the movie that he needed to. Again, I'm not a, a huge Brad Pitt fan, so it's hard for me to give credit where credit is due. But I feel like the performance was, at minimum, quite adequate.
1: I think Morgan Freeman killed it as always. I feel like. At the end, with the uh, twist where Mills goes into the wrath, I didn't feel like it was heartbreaking enough. It was just kind of a what's going on, some dread, but it wasn't, it, I never really saw it hit him. I just saw him go crazy.
0: Uh, that was easily his best scene, his best acted scene throughout the entire movie, but uh, I, I agree. Like, it, it, there wasn't enough emotion. Plus,
2: your connection to Gwyneth Paltrow's character just wasn't there. Exactly. But. And this is the most important question of the film. As everyone knows, what's in the box? What is in the box? What's in the box?
1: First you cut a hole in the box.
2: <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's dick is in the box. That would be... A, that would be Quite the uh, twist. Yeah, I, I would have probably liked that movie a little bit more. It would be M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan <laughs> Ding Dong. <laughs> Kevin Spacey, John Doe. Killed it. Very good, Kevin Spacey. Good at playing a psychopath is a very good yeah ex- exactly what I was going to say very good at playing a psychopath. Um, you can look at a movie he did earlier the same year, uh, The Usual Suspects, where he played Kaiser Soze. And I mean, if it wasn't for the internet being a, a just a landmine of spoilers for movies, I wouldn't have known. Well, I probably would have, but I can pretend that I wouldn't have known going into The Usual Suspects that Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze. Yeah. and Kaiser Soze's John Doe, they're the same character. I don't. I, I picked up on that. Uh, it's probably something kind of silly that I noticed, but uh, yeah, I feel I like feel, it's the same person.
0: I feel like uh, Kaiser Sose and the Usual Suspects was um, a little bit more manipulative uh, and I want to say less insane than John Doe's character. However, there's a lot of parallels between the two characters.
2: Yeah. And I completely agree. I do. I do think that Kaiser Soze is a more manipulative being and a more not more less um, of an insane person, but I don't think that John Doe considers himself to be insane. I don't think that really? no. just because you're acting in a religious way, you are insane. Uh, John Doe was definitely insane, yeah. but I, mean, I think like to him he yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. But I think to him the missions all the same. Um, Usual suspects. Spoiler alert. Um, He sets up this whole um, heist and just systematically picks off everyone until he's the only one at the end. Um, Uses his ability to manipulate to bank all the money. Uses that money to fund his final mission, which is to kill six people or five people and then get killed by someone else. It's, It's a little convoluted at the end. He doesn't really stick to it that well. But but yeah, Kaiser Soze, John Doe, same guy.
1: They really like to uh, end with killing themselves or getting killed.
2: Martyrs?
0: Yeah, they uh, like the character probably believed themselves to be a martyr. I mean, obviously for his own cause he called himself Envy and that he deserved to die even though his reasoning wasn't um, very good. Yeah, it wasn't very believable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He kind of tried to sell the whole envy part of it, but it was all for his own fame and to be talked about and to be remembered. And
2: with that, I mean, that is kind of an out of character thing. If you, if you think about it, kind of, it's all this God's mission, God's mission, etc. but he's self-aggrandizing the whole way through, even though he doesn't really want to admit it. Like even putting himself as part of the plan, I feel like that's self-aggrandizing. Just it's, it's kind of the whole way through. Which is, you know, not, not a huge plot hole, but it is kind of a, just a, out a,
1: of theme. It's yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really
2: seem to fit in. Another thing that I noticed, um, I think you guys felt the same way, was that when they finally found John Doe's apartment, and he's standing down the hall and he sees uh, Mills and Somerset, and his reaction is to pull a firearm and start to shoot. Yeah, it's um, very out of character. It's completely out of character, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for that, a
1: charming psychopath, you, he would have a way to either charm himself out of it or avoid the situation. Yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah. to go yeah. straight to violence doesn't seem to be the way.
2: Obviously, they broke some pretty severe privacy laws to find him, mm-hmm. but they could never lean on that information. And he knows there's no way they could have found him otherwise. Yeah. So, obviously... There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, they
0: even mention in the movie that he Mm -hmm. read books on law.
2: Um, Yeah. He should have been plenty versed. There was no reason for him to panic, and that that outburst was definitely definitely out of character. Um, Just gone into his apartment,
1: being like, you guys can't be here. Please leave.
0: Yeah, I think uh, those two scenes, um, or those two uh, parts of the movies. Uh, was, were, uh, rather, um, just the writers tripping up, yeah. tripping up over themselves. Um, rest of the movie was written very well. Yeah. I mean, as we said, Except, it's a, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's
2: character, yeah, you know, but it, it is a good movie. Um, it was a good, a good shell and it was pretty well formed throughout. Uh, there's just a bit at the end and a bit there in the middle end that could have been handled a little bit better. Mm-hmm.
1: There was some continuity between each of the murders, even though Wrath wasn't a murder, to the person guilty of Wrath. There was some continuity that didn't stay continuous. Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, (laughs) Couldn't agree more. What do you mean?
1: (laughs) Like, with the whole, like, leaving notes at the beginning ones or having gluttony being, like, the word gluttony being hidden where all the other ones weren't, but... As you guys were saying yesterday, is because he started, like, moving up his timeline, he couldn't be as, like, thoroughly thought out, and he just had to push everything along with him picking Mills as wrath, and him being envious of, of Mills when he couldn't have been a target when he first started the killing because... Mills wasn't well, yeah,
2: he started the killings over three years ago. Or he started the, not the killings per se, but the, yeah, the, planning. the plan. The planning because up. Sloth had been bound up for a year. A, a, year. Yeah. So, a year to the day. A year to the day. So obviously, Wrath was never firmly picked out. But I don't believe that necessarily any of them were, were firmly picked out until, the until they died. I think when they died or when he planned the murder is when they were firmly picked out. And he alludes to it in the film. He he admits he has to move his timeline, and it's going to make some changes. So, mm-hmm. um, I do believe he was always going to be envy. Um, pride was always going to be pride. I think he was still figuring wrath, and he did. He figured it just fine. Oh uh, well, um,
0: yeah, well, because kind of. Mills kind of just fell into his lap, in uh, and yeah. he realized Which they he could play. definitely playoff. foreshadowed the whole way there. Yeah, like immediately, Mills is uh, arrogant, and he's. Um, doesn't have complete control over his emotions. They make that very clear from the beginning.
2: Yeah, there's a line, Morgan Freeman says, it's just nice to see someone feeding off their emotions, or strange to see someone feeding off their emotions. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, so his emotions are going to come into play. They're going to come back to haunt him in some way or another. It's going to be the downfall of this particular character. Yeah. I mean, that was... It was pretty easy to figure out immediately. Yeah. So um, just kind of along the same thing that we were going, um, talking about the continuity between the murders. Um, I mean, you like you said, gluttony was kind of hidden, which is a little bit of a a situation in itself where it's, mm-hmm. why is greed so proudly displayed but Gluttony's hidden? Why was sloth started a year early? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, honestly, I think that that's the exact contradiction to your point that it doesn't feel planned out. I feel like that's exactly what it was. He wanted, he wanted gluttony to happen. He wanted greed to be on full display. And um, then he wanted someone to challenge him. I, I think all the way along he wanted to be challenged. So he left a little breadcrumb here and a little breadcrumb here that you could kind of tie together. And that's when you could see, oh my goodness, this really? is... This is related. This is the same thing.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, he knew that, uh, he didn't want them to put just any old homicide detective on the case. They wanted, he wanted their best. Yeah, 100%. So that's why he did, um, just really off-the-wall clues, um... Leading up through each of his murders,
2: at least the first murders. three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then once he was he was figured out, um, and kind of it kind of fell apart there.
1: sped through um, the rest of them.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Gluttony was obviously a sin of just overindulgence, um. So it was just someone that he fed and fed and fed and fed, and, fed and then kicked him in the stomach till his stomach ruptured, and then greed, the pound of flesh to repay his debts because he made all of his fortune in lying. Yeah. Um. Sloth, um, the the drug addict that was planned out for over a year, for a for a year to the day, um, probably planned a little bit longer, but in in any case, um, just force fed him drugs and just kind of tortured him. Uh, Pride, I believe, was nope lust, right? Uh, I think uh,
0: lust was after uh, after they found sloth. Yeah, that's what
2: I thought too. So lust um, was the. Prostitute. The prostitute who got the um, special knife suit to her, um, her lady bits. Not a pleasant <laughs> way to go. Not a pleasant thing to think about, but it, uh, it, it
0: happened. So unpleasant uh, that uh, the person who uh, was John was forced to do the act, yeah, uh, was... Completely traumatized. He was, yeah, he was
2: absolutely, absolutely
0: ruined. Who, oh, by the way, I think was probably the best uh, supporting actor in that entire movie. Yeah, he well,
1: definitely just sold the emotion you mean the of that.
2: Only supporting actor in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they had uh, Arlie Army. Arlie Ermey, who um, played his role of the cliched captain quite yeah, well. He was, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. He, he seemed to actually be, like, maybe he did kill a hooker the night before, um, <laughs> just to really get into the role. Um, I mean, Other I, than, I'm, like, not, I'm not ruling that some out some
1: of the cinematography that was one of the only parts that actually like got me in the feels a little bit I was like ooh
2: yeah him yeah. screaming help me Like, there's obviously nothing they can do to help that man but he's just screaming help me help me yeah like,
1: that, that got me a little bit yeah. so.
2: oh. um, after Lust was Pride Pride was obviously the very beautiful woman that John Doe cut her face up yeah. and then said um, call for help you'll be fine but you'll be disfigured the rest of your life um, or you can just put yourself out. Uh, from pride, we went, was that it? That was it, right? And then we yeah, went pride into the envy uh, and wrath.
0: Yeah, pride was um, when he was enacting his improvised yeah. uh, ending to his plan. Yeah. Where he was envy and Mills was wrath. And then
2: obviously the, the symmetry and the, um, the planning kind of falls apart here because there is no deadly outcome for the sin of wrath for the sinner. Um, and the sin, the deadly outcome for the sin of envy is encompassing someone's wrath. I don't think that's the right word, but you'll be all right. He, he's on the receiving end of someone's wrath. Um, he, for like, instigating. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, he instigated just to make mills
2: wrath. Like, uh-huh. I don't think he was actually envious yeah. of, so he, he I from actually from sin. disagree. I do think that he was envious the whole way through. I think his plan was to always be envy because he, the whole way you see the self-aggrandization, aggrand- I don't think that's a word either. The, he's really proud of himself. He really feels above everything, but I don't think he wants to. I think he wants to be able to fit into normal society. Well, um, I mean, and he is envious of the fact that he can Like in the notebooks but,
1: when somebody's trying to like be pleasant. He's like, I tried to be pleasant and before then I, I knew threw it. threw up on him. All over
0: him. Yeah the, yeah, the thing is, but with that passage in the notebooks is that he also said he was laughing about throwing up on the man who was trying to be pleasant to him. So I'm thinking, like, he's definitely a sociopath. He doesn't envy anybody. I, don't know. I mean, I, he was saying throughout um, his entire interaction with Mills that he admires Mills. I admire um, you, detective. Yeah. <laughs> However, I don't think he, he was actually envious of his life because he knew that life for him was unattainable and that he didn't actually want that life because he was uh, he was disgusted by that kind of life. And he was doing God's
1: work, so what kind of life would you prefer other than doing God's work?
2: Well, again, I mean, in theory, yeah, I agree, but there's the fact that he is constantly just self-promoting and and self-aggrandizing makes me believe that he was never really truly doing God's work. He was just a sociopath that wanted to to hurt people. He was probably disgusted by people, and he probably did take... um, Take note from, or take inspiration from the said seven deadly sins. He probably does find those disgusting, but I don't think he ever considered himself a, a messenger for God or anything like that. Even if he wanted to say that. Yeah.
1: But going back to Tyson's point, I just don't think he died from the sin he chose himself as. Yeah. He didn't. Envy, no, I agree. He didn't envy anything enough to get killed by yeah. it, unless he envied fame.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we watched the movie yesterday, and we kind of had a round table discussion between the, the three of us, mostly the, the two of us, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but between between us, we had a round table discussion, and um, we kind of lobbied a, a theory about what if, in John Doe's eyes, all of his victims actually did have a choice, because if you look at it, he obviously killed Gluttony. Greed died because he bled out, but... He did that to himself. Yeah, he did that to himself.
0: Yeah, technically yeah. he didn't kill, like John Doe didn't kill anybody besides um, Greed directly. And then I guess you can count Sloth, yeah. but slightly indirectly. I mean, he didn't actually pull a trigger. I Sloth mean, he didn't actually
1: really die in the movie, though. Yeah. The, like,
0: but it launched... was implied that he was definitely going to die. Yeah. yeah. And, like,
2: John Doe actually kept Sloth alive, just tortured yeah, for a year. Pride had Pride very clearly had a way out. Wrath, uh, the Detective de- Mills, the did not. not right. a, yeah. And he very clearly knew that. You could see the, the agony in his face as he as he made the decision. But do you think that is something that he was necessarily, not necessarily hiding, but do you think that's something that if they had chosen to not succumb to their, their sins in those moments, even though he was brandishing the gun... He would have let them live anyway.
1: Well, Gluttony was bound, so he d- didn't really have a choice to not
2: eat. Well, no, because you can just not eat. Like, yeah, he was but bound; he couldn't get away.
1: He would die anyway. What do you mean? Like, if he was bound, you like eat until you die, or if you don't, you know who I am. You're gonna die anyway.
0: I think that was uh, part of the choice um, in the theory, though. Like, you have the Chance to die pure and quick, or you can be tortured to death in your own sin. Okay.
2: So, and all of them chose to be tortured to death in their own sin. But maybe he was never actually going to pull the trigger. Obviously, you can't say that the gun wasn't loaded because he did fire... You fired a comical amount of rounds um, as movies tend to tend to do mm-hmm. um, but obviously that's just one theory but I did think that that was something quite interesting because he didn't directly kill anyone except for Gluttony um, by kicking him in the stomach and rupturing his stomach um, so I just kind of wanted to hear what you thought on that
1: yeah, I like that parallel there's a lot of interesting parallels in the movie It's
0: definitely something to think about I mean, right, that was a uh... One of the few things that you could actually kind of glean from it. Is, yeah, um, that was
2: one of the, the few yeah. think it, think about it.
0: Yeah, there was not a very deep movie. Um, not as deep as uh, I remember it being, but uh, uh, it's still, like, a good movie. I mean, mm-hmm. still very uh, suspenseful in a lot of parts. I mean, it's, like, one of the first, uh, like, decent jump scares when... Uh, you found out Sloth was actually still alive yeah. in the bed. Oh, yeah. Um.
1: And they even foreshadowed to that. Um, I was just going to make sure you made that point. Yeah. When they were going to... Was it Gluttony? Oh, yeah, because they were talking about if he could start yeah. breathing spaghetti. Mm. He was going to Gluttony, and he was like, are you sure he's dead? like, yeah, we're, we're pretty sure. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I just wonder how many times people go into a crime scene, and they're not actually dead, and nobody checks. And... Later in the movie, that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. But in that case, they were not going into a crime scene; they were going to apprehend the, the person that they thought was committing the yeah. the crimes because of the was fingerprint, the, the fingerprints fingerprint the at the greed. Gre- yeah. yeah. But but same same principle because they're talking about him as if he were dead. Yeah. Talking about well, and I mean, there's no Dr. way. Doctor Cox is
1: all like, "You deserved it." And once John look-
2: C. McGinley. <laughs> <laughs> Got you,
1: Doctor Cox. Once they bring in the detectives, they're like, "Okay, this is no longer somebody we're apprehending. This is something that needs to be detectivized. Then it's basically. I think that's the the (laughs) terminology. It's (laughs) a technical term.
2: It is now. Yep, (laughs) it is now. (laughs) Um,
1: Recap. I think it was written, all right.
0: Most of the movie was definitely written well. There's just a few parts that were. It uh, felt like the writers kind of
2: tripped over themselves a little bit. Yeah, and I mean that's they can be expected from any movie. Um, mm. Mistakes can be made. Mm.
1: No movie is perfect. And I don't ever expect any movie to be perfect, but you know, something to be touched on is something yeah,
2: yeah. They 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 definitely definitely had some errors. Presumably, with everything that went on with Gwyneth Paltrow, um, they obviously alluded to the pregnancy. Mm. And her being not necessarily unhappy in her new life, but basically being unhappy in her new life. Um, I really feel like there was probably an honest intention to make us have a connection with that character. And it just kind of got lost throughout when they were kind of cutting everything They out. developed
1: the relationship between Gwyneth Paltrow and Morgan Freeman more than they did Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Pitt.
2: Could, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Definitely.
1: They yeah. didn't have any moment of like, oh, everything's going to be okay as long as we have each other. Because they didn't like... The city. They were having some rough spots. She was upset. Didn't know whether she wanted what to, what to do. Mm. So they didn't have any of that like complete bonding moment.
2: Yeah, it, it, exactly. It was. Um,
1: so if anything, I would have expected Morgan Freeman to freak out more than Brad Pitt just mm. on the screen time I saw.
2: That definitely would have been a Shamalama Ding Dong style twist <laughs> if Morgan um, Freeman were the one to pull the trigger, especially with the I've never. Pulled the trigger yeah. on my gun in my entire Ooh, career. That, w-
1: that would have been cool. That was
2: that was also
0: a decent foreshadowing because um, they knew. Uh, they also said that uh, Mills, you know, pulled his gun once and shot mm-hmm. it once, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to use his gun, mm-hmm. um, whereas with Somerset, he said he's never had to pull it, never had to use it.
1: Yeah, it acted pretty well, especially by Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: uh, yeah. Mormon yes. <laughs> Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey um, were definitely the better actors uh, Brad Pitt was Brad Pitt filled his role Yeah, um, like, didn't do exceptional but
1: didn't do bad at all um, cinematography the film style there was a lot of good parts
0: mm-hmm. there was a lot of really decent uh, angles and uh, uh, that really kind of um, helped drive the scenes uh, kept your eyes right where they should be Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah there were some parts that were just uh, not very good Yeah, they are either too close or they were too low um,
1: with that low camera upward angle yeah, right, you don't like
0: yeah it makes me kind of nauseous <laughs> Um,
1: I know there were parts where they like kind of gave me the anxiety like when he was in the dark room and his flashlight kept like cutting yeah. out and I'm like what was
2: I'm- that though that was so dumb because Uh They wanted to allude that there was some impending danger or some impending threat or something to that effect. And it was just like, what's he going to do? Walk back into a room full of police officers?
1: I think it just wanted to keep your attention on some of the smaller details where otherwise um, you could have glazed over it.
2: What smaller details did you catch that I didn't catch?
1: No, like because of the pictures where if they didn't have that to try and keep your attention... He would have just been looking at pictures.
0: Yeah.
2: that's what he was doing. I, he was, I didn't he he feel I, I did feel drawn into at.
0: the scene. He was also getting frustrated too, which was showing more of his mm-hmm. um, okay. emotionality. Okay. Um,
2: well, I miss that because I'm a rube.
0: <laughs> it was also like um, from a filming standpoint, it was um, really good working with the red of the dark room light. And the white uh, of the flashlight um, flashing on and off. Yeah. It very, it very much added to the anxiety and the suspense of the scene.
1: And it had some of the like darkness that you could see throughout the film, and splashes of light that emphasized some things.
0: Yeah. Yep. uh I think that was uh, also um, one area where they struggled with a little bit was the lighting. Um, some scenes were too dark. Some scenes were backlit way too much. Um, however overall it's still pretty good
2: yeah I I could see um, agreeing with you on that where some of the lighting isn't great but I think they did a good job matching lighting to the tone of the movie there's never any like excessively bright scenes it's always kind of a dark brooding tone dark brooding lighting dark brooding everything they they kept it very very dark and ominous all the way through Um, but it wasn't lit perfectly obviously Um, there was some some questionable questionable decisions. I mm.
1: love psychological crime movies. They're some mm. of my favorite. I think this one will go up there with some of the others that I like.
0: It's pretty Yeah, fun- this one was very well done overall. Um, minus like the glaring, not really glaring, but uh, tactical errors yeah. uh, and Things writing errors. But us like,
1: as noobs watching the movie can notice mm. where other people that are more versed in film will be
0: like, it was definitely, um, definitely a classic, psycho thriller.
2: Oh yeah, um, for sure. That it definitely deserves its the respect that it gets. It's yeah. it's a very well executed movie for the most part, and yeah. I, I mean, films were just worse in the past. I mean, they're not all the way; they're not bad in every single aspect, or worse in every single aspect. But f- movies have gotten better over the over my lifetime. I think
1: just the audiences have changed so they need to like step it up for a smarter, more attentive audiences where in the in the past they were just like, Here's what it is and everybody's like, I accept this for what it is.
2: Well it's it's not necessarily that the audiences are smarter or, or even more attentive. I think it's not the smarter part, but as far as the attentive part, I think it's the exact opposite. I think that we live in a in a world of where Vine was a thing, it's obviously not anymore. We live in a, a world of three, five, ten-minute videos. Um, so you ask someone to sit for two hours, you better bring it for two hours. You don't have the right to ask for two hours of my attention if you're not going to hold my attention for two hours. So I think that's that's where it's different. It's not necessarily that the audience is more attentive. I think that it's actually that they're less attentive. So it's always something, hey, look over here. Hey, look over here. You know, It's always something happening mm-hmm. don't have time for six straight scenes of exposition yeah <laughs> exactly
0: um, uh, one place where I thought it excelled uh pretty much throughout the entire movie though was the sound the sound editing was pretty brilliant, yeah, um, it was never too loud, never too quiet mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was exactly the volume cool. that the scene called for and it was uh it was very well done, uh, didn't fuck up the movie in any way. No. Well.
2: No, there was never a part where you're watching it and it's at normal volume, get to the next scene, it's way too, way too quiet, so you get to the, the third scene and you blow out your eardrums because you've had to turn it way up. It was it was very steady all the way through, there was never any, you know, anything that really stepped on the feel of the movie, it, it kept it pretty uh, That's something that would kill a movie consistent. for
1: me, when mm-hmm. watching it and I'm like, oh, this, yeah. this sucks.
0: Yeah, where you gotta fucking turn it up when it's too quiet, and then it goes to a really loud scene, so you have to turn it down, because yeah, Yeah. go out your eardrums. I fucking hate that shit. I love... Less than ideal, for sure.
1: ...smart villains. I love Mm -hmm. villains that feel like they have a purpose, and like I was comparing yesterday to Buffalo Bill of Silence of the Lambs, where he just wanted to be something that he wasn't, and he was taking lives because of it, where uh john doe had a vision for like a better air quotes better future Mm -hmm. so i think i like the villain of this movie even though i don't think he's what he
2: could have been yeah yeah it's definitely something that that again could have been fleshed out and improved upon but it was a a fun villain to watch it was a Mm -hmm. it was a good villain it was it wasn't bad at all um he was very dark and sinister and he was calculating and cold the whole way through. Um,
1: that's kind of villains,
2: Exactly. 100% I agree.
0: For most interesting uh,
2: development. So another thing that I would have liked to have seen, um, not necessarily liked to have seen, but something that I would have been okay with is if the entire movie was more of a chess match between uh, Detective Somerset Warrior Freeman's character and um kaiser soze uh, john doe um i think the the dynamic there obviously it's the movie's good the way they portrayed it. it really worked with the story but the the dynamic there between the two the genius detective and the meticulous psychopath would be not the most original idea either necessarily but a very fun idea to to recycle. It's always a good time for me. I think, I think yeah. that's a, a really good one to me. I liked
1: their back and forth in the car when they were driving to the last two murders. Um they're like respectful back and forth to where like I think you're contradicting yourself. Oh, what do you mean? Like they are parallel or opposites, I guess.
2: Yeah, they're the the opposite side of the same coin almost where they're very very respectful, very very thought out, but
1: very educated,
2: very just but one has the a sense of right and wrong and the other is a murdering sociopath. <laughs> mm-hmm. Film was directed by David Fickner. David Fickner is a genius, apparently when it comes to these movies. I had not um, heard of David Fickner before today, but just a quick look at other films he's directed. Um, Gone Girl. Oh, psychological I love that movie. thriller, great movie. Yep. Uh, exactly, very good movie. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I believe there's, um, I believe that there are some pretty strong psychological themes to that film as well.
1: Some dark stuff too. Um,
2: he directed The Social Network, which is a very good movie. Not
1: a psychological. Thriller, not a psychological though.
2: thriller. Um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button is a long movie. It's also I did enjoy that one, but is it
1: Brad Pitt in that one too? Yes,
2: he's a big fan of Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey. Uh, Zodiac. So basically this exact movie. Um, Fight Club, Panic Room. He's So he's definitely directed some good things. It looks like...
1: So he's in this genre. He is in yeah, this he's, genre. Yeah, he's he's
2: really, really in here. Um, carrying the load for this genre. Sylvester Stallone turned down the role of Mills. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> a very
0: good
1: call, in my opinion. I don't like...
0: Sylvester Stallone. Uh, I like Sylvester Stallone. Yes. I like Sylvester Stallone. No, we're keeping Stallone. that. We are keeping that. <laughs> I'm put it in the f***ing <laughs> bloopers. The I like Sylvester Stallone in the movies he's best known for, besides Rocky. I don't like Rocky. Hey, Adrian, I'm a but terrible actor and writer. <laughs> he's a good, he plays a good Rambo. Yeah. You know. Because we'll, he doesn't have to talk. Yeah, we'll watch the Rambo movies and we'll discuss those, obviously, but.
2: So this was um in reference to that scene that kind of I feel uh we all really liked with the um the the knife penis wielding gentleman. Mm. Uh penis knife. For penis kids. Knife. Cut <laughs> that out. Who was that? What was we'll, that guy's name out. again? Uh, David Fickner, the director or the penis knife guy? Uh, penis knife guy. Leland Orser.
0: Yeah, he um he was also in Saving Private Run. Uh know, he was. Uh, but I haven't seen it, so... Yeah, He's the pilot um, that uh, uh, was the pilot of the crash airplane that they come up with. Uh, uh, the the uh, main company comes up on. Um, he says, oh, uh, they bolted steel plates to the bottom of the plane. I wish they would have fucking told us before we took off. But yeah, he also played uh, kind of a jittery character right there too, so he plays a very good
2: like uh, emotionally damaged.
1: A wreck. Uh, he plays yeah. a wreck very well.
2: Yeah. The Another person that passed on the role of Detective Mills was Denzel Washington citing that the movie was too Dark and evil um, later stated that he regrets that decision. And I'm sure, uh, he's fine either way.
1: Yeah, he did not miss out <laughs> not on We're much. not
2: sitting here talking about who is Denzel Washington. We are very aware of his work. Mm-hmm.
1: Reading this, New Line executives originally balked at the film's ending, but Brad Pitt refused to make the film if the ending was changed. So it, maybe it could have been a more developed ending, Maybe we have Brad Pitt to blame for that. (laughs) Maybe. This is not going to be the movie you're remembered for, but it may be a movie you're incredibly proud of.
2: Um, I don't know if you guys did notice this. Um, IMDb pointed it out. I noticed it myself as well Um, with Kevin Spacey. He's not in the opening credits at all. Mm-hmm. They did. It was like it, it Dude, was a really yeah. cool, a really cool idea to really keep that under lock and key. Keeping what history. his role was, that he was even in the film, be a lot harder to do in this day and age. But I thought that that was a really cool thing that that they did.
1: I did not notice that. That's cool. Uh,
2: budget for this film: an estimated thirty-three million dollars U.S. or bank it grossed one hundred. Million one hundred twenty five thousand six hundred forty three dollars about uh sixty seven million profit that's pretty big yeah i would imagine that for a film in ninety five that would be quite acceptable Mm -hmm. triple that's money um opening weekend was eleven million uk so i don't know what that would be um
0: but i don't care guillermo del toro turned down uh the chance to direct. I saw that.
1: The makeup for the sloth bit took was good. over 14 hours.
0: Fuck. Oh. Yeah. I think uh, Ryan Reynolds says uh, said his uh, entire Deadpool makeup takes about 8 hours
2: to do.
1: I think for the little bit that sloth did, they could have just used like
2: a doll. A,
1: yeah, some sort mm. of animatronic puppet. You didn't really need an actor for that really at all. You only needed it to do
0: uh, no. I'm a- kind of glad uh, they did just use an actor for it cuz I think um, it would maybe uh, it would have looked yeah, cheesy. Yeah, yeah, an animatronic uh, especially back in 95 would have been good noticeable. Point. Uh, good point, sir.
2: Al Pacino and Denzel Washington were early choices for Somerset and Mills. Pacino declined. He was already scheduled to f- to film City Hall and Washington turned down because of the too dark um, that we already pointed out. Um, not necessarily we he, because uh, same score as Silence of the Lambs. Howard Shore. Gene Hackman offered the role of Somerset, turned it down because of too many night shoots. Well, <laughs> third slowest film to reach one hundred million dollars at box office, uh, after Shakespeare in Love, nineteen ninety eight, and The Unforgiven. Or Unforgiven 1992. Huh. Titled Seven, the film runs for 127 minutes long, and the 35mm prints are made up of seven reels. Yeah, final thoughts? Uh, we just want to go around the table. Uh, or we don't want to have an open freeform conversation, either one.
0: I guess we can go around the table uh, yeah. one by one, and we can do our final thoughts on our rating.
2: All right, Carly. Why don't we start with you since you've got the the funny, funny joke? No, really, it really was quite entertaining. I was quite, I was quite tickled when you said that.
1: Overall, not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. Done decently well. Um, just kind of, just kind of there. Good movie, not a terrible movie. Uh, six and a half out of ten.
2: All right. Um, <laughs> some things that we talked about, uh, Tyson. Was uh, just kind of how you realized that it wasn't as deep as you thought it was when you watched it before watching it with the more critical eye, yes. is that it's not as ac- it's not actually as deep of a film as you thought it was. And again, that's no no disrespect. It is a good film, but it's not it's not like the earth bending, mind shaking thriller that you might consider it to be. Mm-hmm. And we kind of equated it to. The like not not saying that it's the same, not saying that it is Saw, but this is where Saw came from. That's kind of what we equated it to. Yeah. It's a psychological thriller with a good gore aspect. If you look at Saw One, uh, there was a lot of people that didn't see the twist of Saw One. It's a psychological thriller with a gore aspect. Um, so I think that it was kind of the the lineage that the the the, uh, the base of the family tree uh, for for a lot of those films that came after it. Um, and just like Carly, I have a stupid joke about the rating because we discussed what kind of rating scale we would do for the film, and you suggested one out of five or one out of ten, mm-hmm. or out of ten, and I said that we should do it out of ten because I wanted to give this film a seven out of ten. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're all terrible, terrible people. Uh, how, and how about yourself? What did you What did you think, obviously, as the, the uh, seasoned veteran of, se- of Seven?
0: Uh, seven, uh, I always enjoy watching it. I mean... Um, I don't really find anything different nowadays, because uh, I've seen it, uh, a couple dozen times. Um, but, uh, it really began my, uh, love of psychological horror movies, uh, or psychological thrillers. Uh, is, uh, very well done. Um, twist ending is classic. I mean, it's joked about, uh, but, like, fondly. Because it was one of the original twist endings that was very well done. Um... It, like you said, inspired movies like Saw. Uh, And, um, yeah, overall, very good movie. Uh, I would also give it a 7 out of 10,
2: unironically. Unironically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, I think this was a a good first podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening out there. And as always, what's in the box? All right, so since we're gonna do that, I think it's time to tantalize our podcast listeners mm-hmm. with a quick game of rock paper scissors to decide who will pick <laughs> the first movie of the pick in order. Instead of just agreeing, mm-hmm. it's not a very catchy name for what we're doing. What we're doing there, but uh, I think it's I think it's time for some some rock paper scissors from some Definitely a shame that that. You don't want to do another Kevin Spacey film? No, <laughs> I need to not talk about Kevin Spacey. Um, I, I came a close a couple times there. Okay.
0: No two out of three, single elimination.
2: Yep, no two out of three, single elimination. Some rock, paper, scissors. Are you ready, Carly? Let's do this. Let's get ready, ready Tyson. Rumble. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. <laughs> no, it's rock, paper,
0: scissors. <laughs> It is rock, paper, scissors, shoot.
2: Thank oh. you, Tyson. All <laughs> <laughs> right, all right. Okay. Majority wins. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs>
0: Especially all
2: wet paper. <laughs> this is electric, folks. You don't know what you're missing right now. The most intense game of triple rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> Double paper for myself and Carly and Tyson with the big old rock, so he is out of here. I was imagining just gripping my...
0: <laughs> rock hard
2: (laughs) cut that out cut that out (laughs) alright here's for all the marbles this is where big daddy daxton clutches up and picks the next fucking movie let's go let's see contestants on the board rock paper scissors shoot (laughs) (laughs) no you're terrible Why are you so bad at rock paper scissors? I don't know.
0: I okay. can't keep time. Okay. Oh my
2: god. Okay, let's try that again. Rock paper scissors shoot. Boom! Paper for the W. Let's go. Next in the f- winning with paper yet again. Oh. Well, maybe that's true. But the next movie we're gonna watch is. Have you seen the new Jumanji yet? I don't know. Would you watch the new Jumanji? Uh, probably. Okay. It's going to be Jumanji. Huh? I love that movie. We'll have to rent it. We'll have to get our hands on Jumanji. But we'll figure it out. And uh, my next pick will be for Jumanji.
1: If any of you guys out there wanted to follow us on Instagram, you can find us on Instagram at Jekyll Studios, on Facebook at Jekyll Studios, on Twitter at Jekyll Studios, and you can email us at Jekyll Studios at gmail.
0: Uh, Make sure you tell them the correct spell. That is
2: J-E-C-L-L. Jekyll. Jekyll. Not J-E-K-Y-L. Possibly another L? I think it's just one L. I think it's just one L as well. But again, that is Jekyll Studios across all platforms. J-E-C-L-L. Hit it up, ladies and gentlemen. My... Twitter or Instagram, one of those two is at Jekyll Dax, and everything else is just stupid and pointless, so don't follow that. Or my Twitter. I don't have a Twitter or an Instagram. But if you do want to follow them, it's something like that.
1: I'm running our Instagram page, so that's basically me.
2: (laughs) And we'll be setting up a Patreon account real soon, as soon as our (sighs) social media manager gets her head out of her tuchus.